everyone. Welcome to Her Journey Podcast, where we talk with incredible, talented, and powerful women about their experiences. My name is Aline, and I'm your host. And today I'm joined with Hazel, the founder of Climate Operation and Advocate for Climate Justice. All right, so let's start off with having you talk a little more about who you are and what you do. Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you for having me, Aline. My name is Hazel Najinda. Um, from Uganda, and I'm the founder of Climate Operation. So basically what Climate Operation does is that we educate young people, school-going children, about the climate crisis and how it's intersected with so many other social issues. And to not just make it about, you know, education, because I believe that education is not supposed to be like in a very static and generic way. We always involve them in activities such as tree planting, art activities, because we want to really connect them to nature. So that's something that we have been doing on a personal level. I graduated last year from law school, which was really great. I think that also really, you know, gave me the trajectory of what I wanted to do when it came to climate operations. So that's just a little bit about me. I love to crochet. That's just like a tidbit. So yeah, that's basically about me in a nutshell. <laughs> awesome thank you and yeah I'd love to start off by learning a little bit more about your background in advocating for climate justice because mm -hmm. I know that's a really big part of your life so for example when and why did you really begin to care about and focus in on this issue of climate change yeah amazing question so as I was saying I, I was in law school I graduated last year and I took a few courses. I took a course on environmental law. Then I took a course on um, oil and gas policy. So when we were doing these courses, it was so clear that despite of the fact that you know, climate change is imminent, like for example, in my country, Uganda, we're actually just starting to you know, um, uh, mine and drill oil and gas. Like we're starting to just embrace fossil fuels, which is something that in my mind was quite ironic in that the climate crisis is not like affecting different countries differently. It's affecting all of us in the same way. And of course, when I was thinking about it, I was like, like as Ugandans, it's actually a bit more worse for us because we are not that developed. So basically, in case there was a disaster, if it came to like, you know, fixing it, it would take us a bit more time. So one of the ways I was asking myself, hey, so how are we going to be able to do this? And of course, one of the ways that I figured to do this would be to educate people about the problem because, you know, someone cannot actually solve a problem if they do not know about that problem. And the easiest way for me in my mind was to educate young people because older people are a bit more hard. Their ways are a bit more hard to change while young people are more accepting of, you know, the fact that, like, for example, we're in a climate crisis and the fact that this crisis is very interlinked with so many other social issues. So that was kind of my journey going into climate advocacy. And as I started climate operation, because when I started it, I think I myself was not that educated on it. But then going into like doing more research is when I realized, oh my God, most of the times we're always talking about like, for example, polar bears uh, dying, ice caps melting. But then we never think about the human impact of the climate crisis. So that is why I made it a goal, like a mission for climate operation, that whenever we are educating young people, whenever we are going to schools and in communities, we always talk about the human impact of the climate crisis. Because despite of the fact, like, for example, biodiversity is being destroyed by climate change, 
the fact that that biodiversity is being destroyed, human beings are actually being affected. So it's all very interesting. So trying to educate people about the climate crisis, but in a very intersectional manner, is something that um, Climate Operation is doing right now. And of course, we are merging it with so many other things in order to make it more fun, more digestible, more relatable to people. So yes, that is kind of like the journey of how I started and where we are right now. Yeah, that's amazing. I think that everything you're doing is really amazing. And I think that, you know, obviously you have done already so much in this field. And Mm -hmm. I'm wondering what you think are some of the most important aspects of climate change or climate justice that you either hope to educate more people about or just believe need to be talked about more. Yeah. So as I was saying, fact is the mainstream media talks about the climate crisis as forests being cut down, polar bears dying, ice caps melting. But this is a thing I really never see. Like, for example, when you talk about polar bears dying and ice caps melting, there are actually people in those areas like where those ice caps and polar bears are dying. There are people who live there. So their lives are also being affected by the climate crisis. Same thing with the forests being cut down. There are people who actually rely on that biodiversity in those forests for, for their livelihood. And that's something that, you know, the mainstream media doesn't show people. So I think one of the most important things that we need to think about when communicating about climate change is the fact that it has a human impact. And also, the moment we start talking about it with a human impact, I believe that whoever we are trying to, like, for example, to lobby to join the movement, it will have a more personal impact on them. Because, you know, when you think about the fact that human beings are being affected by this, then it makes more sense, in my opinion. So that is something that I believe we need to really think about. The fact that the climate crisis has human beings to eat, and it's not just, despite the fact that it's important, but it's not just about ice caps melting, polar bears dying, and you know forests being cut down. We, there are human beings who are being really affected by it. And of course, the thing that I also think is very important when we are talking about like you know climate justice and the climate crisis is the fact that it's interlinked with so many other social issues. Like for example, here in Uganda, uh, we have very many farmers, and most of those farmers are women. So because of the climate crisis, our weather patterns are, you know, very destabilized, which means that these women farmers are not going to be, whenever, let's say it's hot, it's really hot, which brings about drought. And then when it starts to rain, it, it floods. So you kind of see how the fact that the issue of gender has entered into the climate crisis, poverty, then there is health, because, you know, if you cannot feed your family, then they're actually not going to have a very good health um, uh, health trajectory there so communicating about the climate crisis with an intersectional view is also something we really need to do and I'm, I'm really proud of the fact that we have actually started doing that as a community people now no longer just communicate about the climate crisis like with one with a one um communicator of sorts they kind of bring in so many other social issues which is amazing so the human impact and the intersectionality of the climate crisis are the two most important things, in my opinion, that we need to really. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's really insightful what you brought up about, especially, you know, the human impact of climate change. And mm-hmm. I'm actually wondering if you have any other types of 
kind of misconceptions about climate change or climate justice that you've seen throughout your journey in advocacy work or in learning about this topic in general? Yeah, actually, I, I found this, okay, not misconceptions of sorts. Actually, they were misconceptions because mm-hmm. like coming from Uganda, I have faced a lot of, can I call it, disbelief of the climate crisis like mostly from like the older generation like I remember when we were starting as chatting with these with these old people they're a bit older than me they're in their 40s so they were telling me but really Hazel where is the climate crisis I'm not seeing climate change climate change is not for example impacting the way I'm making my money so there's this misconception that for something to be an issue it actually needs to be seen like you actually need to see it happening and impacting people. And I think with the climate crisis, that is something that it's more of a slow onset. It starts very slowly and just builds up into something. So that is one of the things. And I think that creates a very a very disadvantageous kind of like system, especially when it comes to learning. Because if people think the climate crisis doesn't exist, then it's going to be very hard for them to actually learn more about it. So that is one of the biggest misconceptions that, you know, um, uh, I have seen throughout my journey, people thinking that the climate crisis is not real. And of course, for me, as like an individual, and of course, as climate operations, the way we tackle this is by always by kind of making them look back 10 years before and like where we are right now. And then they kind of, I, I kind of ask them, do you think, is this how we were 10 years back? Like, for example, in Uganda, 10 years back, our weather systems were very stabilized. But right now, they are so unstable, which is bringing about so much. So, of course, asking someone that, look at where we were 10 years ago and where we are now. And, of course, then they'll be like, oh, okay, I now see it now. So, the fact, I think those are the, one of the biggest misconceptions, the fact that people think climate change doesn't exist. <laughs> that is the most interesting misconceptions that I've encountered in my journey. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I've heard a lot about that as well. And I think definitely, I think the entire field just needs a lot more exposure. And so mm-hmm. I definitely agree with you there. And um, a lot of my audience is actually a lot of high school students or youth. And so do you think that or how do you think youth specifically can combat this issue of climate change and advocate for climate justice together? That is a really good question. You know, like on a personal level, I always believe that because I think before young people actually started advocating for, you know, the climate, for, for better climate policies and like for us to do something about the climate crisis. Mm-hmm. The people in power, like the decision makers, weren't really thinking about it, like it wasn't being taken that serious, which really shows that as young people, we have a lot of power, you know. So I think I'll give you just like maybe a few tips, like for everyone that wants to, to take part in like, let's say climate advocacy or do something about the environment. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing that they would do is to start small, because like usually when you want to start something, you're a bit scared. You're like, oh, this is so big. What impact am I going to make? So you kind of like just jumble around and in the, in, in the long run, you just be like, I can't do it. Then you just stop there. But really starting small really helps. Like, for example, when I talk about, like, for example, with climate operation, we actually really just started with Instagram. That is where we started. And like now we are a registered organization. We have partnered with people. But it was all about starting small and like also figuring out the fact that 
the, the, the climate crisis and like something such as climate change, it has so many things in there. So you just kind of like have to figure out what you want to do in there. Like for example, with climate operation, we wanted to do something about climate education. And of course, it's always fine to change. It's fine to do whatever you want, as long as you're passionate about it. And of course, like when you, when like, cause there's a lot of eco anxiety kind, because with the climate crisis, we're always just like, oh my God, the world is going to end. So there's that eco anxiety that comes with it. So just always going back to your why of why did I start this? Mm -hmm. People, I love that we are also connected with the internet. So if at all you have access to the internet, then it's always going to be very easy for you to connect with like-minded like people. The climate space is very welcoming, which is something that I love. Of course, it needs more work. But as a young person, something that I will always encourage us is to collaborate with each other through there's Instagram, there's Twitter. I don't know who uses Facebook anymore, but if you use Facebook, use Facebook. Then there is, um, there's so much we can do as young people. And of course, like I personally do not attend climate strikes because of the political situation in my country. However, if you have the opportunity to attend a climate strike, attend a climate strike. If you want to have like a discussion with other young people, I always think like having discussions with people and like debates, conversations takes the thing forward. So having conversations about like, for example, climate justice, how the fact that climate change is not just like a one, one thing it's very intersectional that is also something that young people can do to kind of like collaborate with each other as young people we have so many ideas that can turn into solutions so actually you know coming in as a unit and doing it together can turn into something amazing and that is something that i always want young people to do and something that i'm always inspired by whenever i see a group of young people doing something like that it always just makes me so happy because it shows that we are not only the future but we can actually really change so much which is amazing mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I, I completely agree and I think especially now with these advances in technology we're able to really connect with people from you know across mm -hmm. the world and I think that's yeah. something really special and something we should take advantage of especially when we're advocating for these issues um really should. Yeah, absolutely. And now you run Climate Operation, and that is absolutely incredible. I think the work you're doing is really amazing. And so I'd love to know what kind of, um, you know, events or what kind of thoughts kind of led up to specifically the founding of it. Oh, the events that led up to the founding. Well, Climate Operation was founded during COVID. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I I was in I was in law school like I I finished school last year, so I was at school and then went into a pandemic and you know I finished school during the pandemic like studying online and everything. So the whole time I was asking myself honestly, Hazel, what are you going to do with your life? Because obviously when you go to law school, everyone knows you're going to become a lawyer, right? Which is amazing. But then in my mind, as like plus being a lawyer, what? what are you going to do that like you know has impact and whenever when, whenever I was like for example doing internships with law firms I was always um inspired by doing things that were related to the environment so mm -hmm. in my mind as like you're in lockdown you have the internet Instagram is like amazing so why not start something small so we started climate I said actually I started climate operation 
And to be honest with you, I was actually quite scared because I did not know that much about like, you know, climate justice and stuff like that. So I really had to do a lot of research and like I really had to learn on the job, which <laughs> thinking about it this thinking about it now is 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 always amazing, brings a smile to my face. So mm-hmm. those were some of the events that led to it. And of course, as we continued, then I got a few people on board and they're like so inspired. We all have the same mission and the same goal with with with, with what we want to do. And also by the fact that during everything that I was doing with climate operation, I was always reaching out to people that I wanted to collaborate with. So like, I did not care of the, because as I told you when I said climate operation, we saw Instagram, by then we weren't yet like a fully registered organization. We were just kind of like a project doing a, doing a few like events in schools, things like that. So something that I did was like, you know what Hazel, like you've just started, but just wing it. Activity, like for example, I was saying with plant trees, I literally winged it, called up uh, a company here in Uganda. They kind of have like a non-profit that um, sponsors like tree planting and stuff like that. I just called them up and I was like, you guys, this is me and this is what I want to do. And they're like, oh, that is actually really great. And they actually then like gave me trees to plant for a whole year. So kind of like winging it in regards to like the collaborations then I also reached out to a few people on Instagram who were really inspiring me in regards to like the climate education bit. And I think that's also how I was able to educate myself more because I was aligning myself and like climate operation with people who had the same mission, not necessarily them being part of climate operation, but us doing something similar. So those were kind of the events that led to where we are. And of course, now where we are, like now have a team we I, I would say we have more funding and like we keep growing but the events that led to us becoming what, what we are right now are a bit interesting if it, it's a whole story <laughs> if I told you that story would we'll just be laughing but yes it is a very long story but I think it's all about like I was able to learn on the job and to just really mm-hmm. go for it because I was so scared, like really, really so scared about what I was doing. Because in my mind, I was like, is this going to work? You, for one, you do not, you're not an environmentalist at all. But yes, that is where we are right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's amazing. And when you take on big projects like this, you obviously learn a lot in the process. So I mm-hmm. think that, you know, definitely taking on something like this, you learn a lot and you learn a lot about the subject you're covering too. So yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And um, yeah, I think that's so amazing what you're doing and especially now where you are. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. if you have any favorite projects or favorite work that you feel is most meaningful to you that you've done um, in climate operation. Yes. So um, when we started climate operation, our audience saw our kind of all over the place. One of my favorite projects is we have our Greener Schools project. So basically what the Greener Schools project is, is that we go to schools and educate young children about the climate crisis. Mm -hmm. And then on top of educating them, we always have like an activity. So it can be a tree planting activity. There's a time we went to a school and had like an arts project where we were coloring about like life in the sea and how plastic pollution affects sea creatures. So I think that is one of my most favorite projects because for one, we are with like kids, like young children, high school and primary 
growing children. They are very young and they're always just so excited. And you know that excitement is so contagious, right? So like there's a time where at, uh, at this school and these children like were planting trees and you know, they're usually worms in the, in the soil. Mm-hmm. So we're planting trees and of course the worms and they're like, ew, why does the soil have worms? So it was like a very good teaching opportunity. Oh my God, you guys, these worms are good for the soil. And we're all just having fun. And at the end of the activity, you would see that they are all actually quite inspired in the fact that despite the fact that um, the climate crisis is destroying the world, there's still more that can be done. So that is one of my most favorite activities. And of course, now this is a future project. It's going to be starting in September. So something that we're going to be doing is that we're going to be really engaging with young people and making um, climate-related stories very personal because young I wouldn't say young people all over, but young people in the global south never take center stage when it comes to, you know, climate change and the climate crisis and their experiences. So in September, we're actually going to be documenting their experiences and like, you know, engaging them in film, in art, in comics, and just showing the world that this is happening. These young people are having these experiences and then also they're actually solving. So that is something that I'm very excited about. Because as I've been going through everything with like the climate space, I've seen that the climate space is to a point really white-based. There's not so much like, let's say, with people of color or with people who are from communities that are disadvantaged. The experiences are never talked about as much. So with the project coming up in September, that is something that is very exciting for us because we are going to be able to actually showcase those stories and give those young people the platform that they actually need which is amazing yeah I mean sounds really exciting and I think that all the work especially that you're doing with schools is amazing um kind of educating the youth about this topic early on is really amazing and you know through the channels that you're doing it is also really creative so I think that's Mm -hmm. that's absolutely a beautiful thing and in starting climate operation um did you ever struggle at all in the beginning or, you know, come across any challenges while trying to get it off the ground? Because I know that when you take on such a large project, sometimes it's a little bit hard to kind of get it rolling and get it started. True, 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 true. Oh my God. I think that, <laughs> I think the biggest challenge is like imposter syndrome. Oh my God, yo. <laughs> like imposter syndrome is such a thing. You know, such a thing like comparing yourself with other people, I think that is like on a personal level that I struggled with when I was starting because I would always see these like big organizations with people who are actually to a point younger than me doing amazing things and I was like, oh my God, will I actually do this? And of course, like people who have like, like for example, science or like master's, master's degrees in something like that. And so imposter syndrome was like a humongous challenge and of course, something that, and that is why right now as a person for me, I always like just distress and like let go and do the things that I'm passionate about when it comes to climate operation. Because the more I kept comparing what climate operation was doing to other people, it just kept stressing me out. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not doing it right. I'm mm-hmm. not going to like do anything amazing. So imposter syndrome was one of the challenges that I faced. 
Then, of course, another challenge, which we actually still face right now, is communicating the climate crisis to older people. So we are going to figure out just a fun puzzle to work out. So that's going to be fun to do. <laughs> and, of, and of course, I always tell this to people, but when, whatever you're doing, especially when it comes to something like the climate crisis, despite the fact that you're doing amazing work, if these things are not put into, like, for example, policy, not much is going to happen. So right now, as climate creation, we are trying to, to lobby with policymakers to ensure that things like climate education are in our curriculum. Because like, for example, in Uganda, I'm not sure if that's all over the world, but in Uganda, we do not, we do not educate people about climate change. Like now, for example, I got to know about climate change because in law school, I did a few courses. So imagine waiting till university, like by, that isn't just an if, if you get to learn about it. So we do not teach our children about the climate crisis. So that is something that as climate creation really want to do. We want to implement climate-related education into our curriculums and make that education very relatable to the country. So that is another challenge, but I always view challenges as puzzles that we can you know, just work out. So um, imposter syndrome, communicating this to older people and policymakers, those are the three challenges that we faced and to a point are not still we are still facing some i i on a on a personal level sometimes still like doubt myself but you know just have to sit meditate and just believe that okay fine this is what i'm doing everyone has their own path their own journey it's fine yeah and of course i think echo anxiety is something that is also really big because and for eco-anxiety, it's something that I do personally is just to like, just move, leave social media. You know, you can just get so overwhelmed by whatever is happening online. Mm -hmm. So that is something. And like, you just get so tired. You're like, but why am I doing all of this? The world is still like, like, for example, you ask yourself, why am I doing all this? Companies are still polluting. <laughs> They're still getting more money. The ones that are polluting. So something that I do is that is just like, you know, first for, for one, distance myself from being on social media because that can get overwhelming and I think mm -hmm. finally to just kind of like just realize that what I'm doing despite the fact that it might actually be small is having impact to a certain level mm -hmm. absolutely yeah and I think that the way that you kind of have that mindset towards challenges is really amazing as well and yeah I think that all the work you're doing and all your persistence definitely is something to look up to and <laughs> yeah, of course. And obviously, despite these challenges, you've continued to grow and you've continued to expand your organization. And I just wanted to ask what you think inspires you most to kind of keep doing this amazing work and advocate for this mm -hmm. cause. And what is your favorite part about running this initiative as a whole? Well, I think my for one, what inspires me about running this cause is that the people that are we're all really passionate about what we're doing and we are all young <laughs> and so it's, it's a very creative space you know like it, you basically have fun doing what we're doing so it's just very fun you wake up in the morning you're like guys what are we going to do today something like that so working with young people young creative people that are also very passionate about what we are doing is a very humongous inspiration and I think also hearing about that like the impact of what we do like for example we went to a school and we're chatting with them about why they shouldn't use single-use plastic, single plastics because here in Uganda, people have not yet adopted the fact that, you know, you can, like, for example, carry a usable water bottle. 
So people usually just buy water bottles all the time. So I went to, to one of us, to this school and most of the children actually just had, you know, both water bottles. And of course, telling them that, guys, instead of actually spending 1,000 Ugandan shillings every day to buy water, 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 you can just buy one bottle and keep refilling it all the time. And of course, then a month later, we go back and almost everyone in the class had a, a reusable water bottle. That, I found that really inspiring. Actually, that is like a high in one of my experiences. That really made me so, so, so happy. So that was a very good thing. And of course, also like whenever we like go to schools and we engage them in like the tree planting activities and then we go back because when we engage the children in these activities, we always kind of like designate a tree to them. So like, let's say if we plant 50 trees in a school and there are 100 children, two children will take one tree. So always going back to check on the trees and then every child is like, come and see my tree, come and see how I've taken care of my tree. It always makes me so happy. And like, yeah. And of course, um, I've forgotten your final question. I've talked about like what inspires me about career operation. But I think also what keeps me going is that it's really fun. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the people we get to meet, I've met so many people while I've and it's actually just been a few months, but I've met so many amazing people. I've been able to make quite a few amazing connections with them, and hopefully in the future that will keep going as well. So that really inspires me and keeps me going when it comes to running climate operation. And I think it's going to be amazing in the future. Despite of all the challenges and, you know, what comes in the way, it's kind of like a process, a fun process to go through. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I think you kind of uh, actually answered my last question as well, which is what your favorite part (laughs) about running this initiative was, which is, you know, seeing the impact you're making and connecting with new people. I think that's absolutely a beautiful thing. And I really appreciate you sharing that. And yeah, you talked about all these amazing impact uh, stories that you've had throughout your work. And so what do you think your experiences in running climate operation and advocating for climate justice has actually impacted you as a whole? Well, for me personally, I think something it has done was just take me out of like, you know, that echo chamber before I started climate operation. I had like a very, can I call it black and white mindset. I really did not know much about what was happening. But then with climate operation, I've been able to see so much and like, not just actually like experience it with others, but then like hearing about people's experiences, like whenever, like when we're, for example, not just doing school activities, but going into communities and realizing that because of the climate crisis, people's farms are actually yielding less, which is not just impacting like, for example, their economy, but like their livelihood is at stake. And then also realizing that because of pollution, most of most of that pollution, when it comes to like dumping grounds, all those dumping grounds are usually in communities that have like people who do not make that much. So in Uganda, we have slums. Those slums are heavily polluted with plastic, with waste, and those people actually cannot afford good health care. So basically, their health is, is a very dire situation. So getting that perspective is something that has really changed for me as an individual. Before starting climate operation, 
I did not necessarily know all that. I saw it, but I wouldn't say I would. I, I was not that aware on a deeper level of what was happening. So mm -hmm. my perspective on what's happening in regards to the climate crisis and just how it's impacting people has really changed for me. And that is why hopefully in the future we'll be able to do some amazing things in regards to that. And it has also really made, made me to appreciate nature. Like before saying that question, honestly, like honest to, to, to whoever, I would not dig a hole. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> like I would not. But ever since then, I find gardening so calming. Like, you know, we have a very tiny backyard here at home. So we have like planted these tiny like vegetables and herbs. And like, I just find it so calming. So every day in the morning, I like go outside and like, I saw one of our plants had kind of like white spots and I was like, oh my God, is this a pest? So I had to go on the internet and Google, how do you take out this? Because it's like, now I have plant, plant babies. So I find gardening so calming these days. And uh, that is, I think like my perspective shifting and just getting in touch with nature and really appreciating it on a personal level is something that has really like changed for me ever since starting climate operation. And of course, you might not know this, but I'm quite shy. <laughs> but with Climate Operation, I've been able to like get out of my comfort zone and like chat with people. And that is something that has changed. I'm very more outspoken these days. You will meet me and you will not know that this is Hazel of like 2016. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, those are some of the things that have changed with, 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 with me personally ever since starting Climate Operation. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. And I, I definitely agree. I think that when you take on this new work and especially start something as big as climate operation, you really take on these new perspectives that lead you through life. And um, I've actually seen the same thing with me as well. I think that, you know, doing my work has also helped me to be a bit more outspoken. So I definitely mm -hmm. agree, you know, doing this work, it definitely changes you. Um, and in a good way and shows you these new perspectives. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for bringing that up. And yeah, as we wrap up, I'd love to kind of hand you the mic and just let you talk about any last messages you want to leave about climate justice or how we can battle the climate crisis as a whole. Well, I guess as like a conclusion to everything, something I would tell, of course, a young person, because I think when it comes to something like the climate crisis and when you want to advocate for this, as young people, there's an opportunity for us to really do amazing things. So just as something to live with young people who are listening to this podcast would be, you actually have the power to do anything that you want to do. It might look to, so big for you to actually do it, but if you just start, and even though you just start with something really small, and you know, just keep going it like step by step, step by step, step by step. It will actually turn into something that you're really proud of. And of course, like I personally, I do not, I used to have timelines, like I want to do this by this and this by this, but that's not how the world works. <laughs> so just kind of like, of course, having like goals, but then not setting, setting those goals in stone that I have to achieve them by like this date, you know? So as young people, I think we really have this, like a lot of potential for us to do amazing things. So just finding, for example, the right people who want to listen to you, because it's always amazing to find people who want to listen to you, people who believe in your vision is always amazing. So I would, I would tell them to, you know, keep going, 
find people who your your mission you, you both your missions align because that would be amazing you have a support group and like a support community and obviously do not compare yourself with other people fam like you know of course learn from them but at to a point try to how can i call it try to like just distance yourself from everything and think about like your why and like you prioritize your mental health and ensure that throughout it all you are not damaging yourself like mentally throughout this activism because to a point it can become very overwhelming but other than that i think just have fun with it the moment you start having fun with it it becomes very seamless you won't even realize that you're working you just have fun yeah absolutely i completely agree with everything you said and I think that's amazing advice to leave off with. And yeah, I mean, I really just appreciate you speaking with me today and sharing your perspective on this cause. And I'd love to end with just any platforms you'd like to shout out. Any what? Platforms. So any social media platforms or um, any websites that you want to direct my audience to? Ooh, that would be so cool. Okay. So if you want to follow Climate Operation and just basically get to know about our work, you can just follow us on Instagram at Climate Operation. Something that we did is like we just put everything in our link tree. So basically articles, podcasts, videos. And of course, we have our storytelling series. So basically our storytelling series that we interview everyone. Like if you're passionate about, like, let's say climate related stuff, you come on. We have a storytelling series because with our storytelling series, we are just like talking about different climate things. We have had a few of those, very amazing. So if you want to have something like that with us, you know, you can just shoot us a DM. Then we are currently having a climate justice um, month. So we're having climate operation lessons in regards to articles. Then we are having IG lives. So if you want to get, if you want to be a part of that as well, just send us a DM. Climate operation, we are just so collaborative. Like we want everyone's voice to be heard. So, you know, just slide into our DMs. We are there. Yeah. But other than that, yeah. If you just want to also say hi, that's cool. If you want to say hi to me personally, that's cool as well. You can reach me at Hazel Patricia One. I think if you go through part of Climate Operations posts, you'll find me tagged in one of those. So you can just slide into my DMs personally and we can chat. I always love chatting with people because I think I do not know everything and I just want to learn from everyone and make new friends. (laughs) Yeah, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody go check out her platforms. Um, I think the work you're doing again is really incredible. And yeah, thank you again just for coming on here and having this conversation with me today. Mm -hmm.